something beyond and we think, well, that means he did more than was necessary or more than was normal. Timothy was this abnormal guy who was just an overachiever. I think you'll see this morning that was not the case. Timothy was even in some ways disadvantaged. Advantages that many of you have and enjoy, and yet Timothy was a faithful disciple. You see, serving God is not or should not be abnormal or be thought of as going beyond, but for most people it is. In fact, Paul wrote in Romans chapter 12 and verse 1, he says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, based upon what God has done for you, that you present your body a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your, what does he say? Reasonable service. He's not asking you to do something unreasonable this morning or illogical this morning. He's really not even asking you to go beyond. He's doing asking you to do what just makes sense. What should be your response to God's great gift of salvation that He's given to you? And yet we find ourselves in a day and age, in a culture in which even amongst Christians, those who will live a life of faithfulness and discipleship to the Lord, they're looked at as somehow abnormal or overachievers or those who are willing to go beyond. So while there is a challenge this morning to maybe go beyond where you're at today, I want you to understand the challenge this morning is not asking you to step beyond what God considers is reasonable service for you. This is not to try to be greater than what is possible to be. Rather, the challenge is to be what God wants you to be. So let's look at this story together. Acts chapter 16, verse 1. Now, I'm only going to read verse 1. We'll come back. We're going to work through the first five verses this morning of this chapter, but I'm going to just take them one at a time. Verse 1 says, Then he came he, this is Paul, remember Silas is traveling with him, came he to Derby and Lystra. And behold, a certain disciple was there named Timotheus, the son of a certain woman, which was a Jewess and believed, but his father was a Greek. So if you remember at the end of, Acts chapter 15, Paul and Barnabas parted ways. Barnabas took John Mark. Remember we talked about dealing with disagreement. He takes John Mark and he goes back to Cyprus. And Paul, he chooses Silas to travel. As we read, did on the first missionary journey. If you remember on the first, they, they went south to Cyprus, and then they went back around to Antioch and Pisidia and kind of worked their, up or their way up and around. 
If you have your Bible, turn back to chapter 14. I want you to see why this trip required so much faith, especially in the fact that they went to Lystra. People and having stoned Paul, drew him out of the city, supposing he had been dead. Howbeit, as the disciples stood round about him, he rose up and came into the city, and the next day he departed with Barnabas to Derby. And Paul, on his missionary journey, the second time around, says, You know where we need to go? Let's go back to Lystra. Let's go back to the place where I was stoned and left for dead the last time. That's how to start. Say, Paul, why are you going back to that place? I think Paul had a great love for God's people and God's work. Paul wasn't afraid to go back to this place because Paul was going, as we'll see next week, under the leading and direction of the Holy Spirit in his life. See, when you walk in accordance to God's Word in obedience to the will of God, as He leads us by the Spirit of God, you don't have to be afraid. Sometimes we go to a certain part of town, or I don't like being over here. Listen, if it's where God wants you to be, you're safe. You're as safe as God wants you to be. Well, the world we live in today is a dangerous place. It is, if you don't know God. But for the Christian, you're safe in the hollow of his hand. Paul goes back to the place where he was stoned. You know, sometimes the greatest opportunities are found in the hardest places. You ever thought about what would have happened if Paul hadn't gone back to Lystra? Guess what? He probably would have never met Timothy. And we wouldn't even be reading this story today. We wouldn't maybe, and again, I know I'm just giving you some what ifs, but we might not have First and Second Timothy in our Bibles. What great books of the Bible with such great encouragement for Christian living, even in the face of difficult times and persecutions. Paul goes back to the place where he was stoned and left for dead. Because God had a plan for Paul, and God had a plan for Timothy. And God had a plan for you. I was thinking about this in my own life. and Not that I'm in any way like the Apostle Paul, but after Hurricane Harvey hit four years ago and we were involved in helping people out in the community, the Lord, through a series of connections of different people that we've met and different connections even through our church, led us to Teasdale Street, Brother Larry Street. But I didn't know Brother Larry at the time. We went down the street and I met him and his sweet wife, Angela, and you've heard that story before, and tried to encourage them and went on as I was trying to encourage lots of people that day. I met lots of people that day. And a week or two later, probably a week later, we, we'd given out all the money that had come in. We gave away all the food that we had. We gave away all the water and supplies that we had. And I remember thinking, I still want to help people. How can we help them? And, and then it was like the Lord, you know, just really impressed on my heart. Well, why don't we just go back? to the people we've already been to once and see how they're doing and try to pray with them and encourage them. So I went back to Teasdale Street. And I'm thankful Brother Larry didn't throw rocks at me the first time I came by his street. I definitely have had it a lot easier than Paul did. But when we went back to the street, that's when we met again. 
and talked again. And you know, I, I, I know for sure if, if I hadn't gone back that second time, we wouldn't be sitting here this morning like this. We wouldn't have this friendship. We wouldn't have seen all that God would have done. There would be no, you know, Will and Larry story. It would just been Will over here and Larry over there. But God put us together. Why? Because you go back. You stay faithful. You continue to encourage those that God has led you to. He met this certain disciple, this specific. And then his mother became a Christian. But his father stayed a pagan. Yes, he had a devoted parent, but they were, he was from a divided home. Don't let your past be your excuse for why you can't serve God. God uses people from divided homes. He uses people from... Places of difficulty. I mean, Timothy grows up in the town where they stone people for preaching the gospel. And yet goes on to serve God in one. He had a dedicated parent. In fact, he had a dedicated grandparent. His grandmother. 2 Timothy 1.5, Paul writes and he says, When I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice, and I am persuaded that in thee... Also, don't let your past be your excuse for why you can't serve God. But parents and grandparents, just because you're not always able to provide the home that you'd like to provide for your children, don't stop sharing the truth with them. Don't stop pointing them to Jesus. You say, well, my spouse isn't interested. God still loves you and He loves your children. We sing the song sometimes, at least the boys and girls do. We probably should sing it. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Little ones, to Him belong. Right? They're precious in His sight. I'm so thankful for this example of this disciple that came from a family that was divided. But through all of this, we see in his character a devoted faith. A devoted faith. Notice in verse number 2, it says of chapter 16, which was well reported of by the brethren that were at Lystra and Iconium. 
when people thought of Timothy, this young man, this young person in the church, maybe even a teenager at this time, they said, he's of good report. Teenager, I wonder if that's what people would think of you. Children, young person, are you just going off of your parents' reputation? Or do you have a reputation of faithfulness to the Lord? Say, well, I will when I get older. Timothy didn't wait. Timothy didn't have a father who was a believer. Timothy didn't grow up with the advantages that even some of you have. Timothy had a good report. Paul mentions this again back in the verse I already read in 2 Timothy 1.5. He says, when I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee. In other words, Timothy, your faith is real. It's not fake. A lot of young people are really good at faking their faith. Go around, well, I know how to smile. I know how to say the right things, do the right things. But what is in your heart this morning? Do you have a real relationship with God or... Or do your parents just have a relationship with God and you're just kind of along for the ride? Timothy had a faithful mother and a faithful grandmother, but Timothy was faithful himself. He had a devoted faith. Why did God use Timothy? Well, because Timothy got to hang out with Paul and that was an awesome opportunity. No, it's because... Timothy was already a young man who was walking in obedience to the Lord. You know, we get that sense in our lives sometimes, whether you're a young person or older person. Well, I just haven't had the opportunities that other people have had. There's nothing stopping you from walking with God other than yourself. There's nothing keeping you from talking to God in prayer. He's right here with you right now. You can't blame someone else for not praying. There's nothing stopping you from opening the Word of God and studying it for yourself. Well, I just didn't have the kind of home that they did. Well, no. But God is, God, if God's your Heavenly Father, then you have enough. You have the Holy Spirit, you have enough. If you have the Word of God, you have enough. God's given us the opportunity to have all three. He had a devoted faith. See, Timothy, yes, he had a divided home as well, but did you know Timothy also had physical difficulties too? Look at 1 Timothy 5.23. Paul writing here again, he says, Drink no longer water, but use a little wine for thy stomach's sake. And then listen to the rest of the verse. And thine often infirmities. Timothy gets sick all the time. And he comes from a divided home. He's physically a weak person. He's sickly. Well, clearly God couldn't use Timothy. No, he's known as a Paul's fellow laborer, his son in the faith. He, he's known as a faithful disciple. He had a good report, a good reputation. Why? It wasn't because Timothy was complaining about his sickness all the time. It wasn't because Timothy said, well, if I had just had a dad that loved God. No, it wasn't because, it was because Timothy walked with God. 
You are as close to God this morning as you want to be. Well, I'm not close to God. That's not God's fault. And that's not anybody else's fault in here. That's yours. Own it. Draw nigh to God and He will draw nigh to you. Look around in our society today and I know I grew up here too. As a young person, that oh, I'm just going to goof off. I'm going to waste my time, do whatever I want to do. The problem is people aren't growing out of that. People spend all their day wasting their time. No devoted faith. Well, it's because of this. It's because of that. No, it's because you don't want to have a devoted faith. God has given you everything you need. His Word gives us all that pertains to life and godliness. Timothy had a good report. You see, the character of a disciple... I don't know about you, I'm not sure I'd want somebody to fill out my report card that God would fill out my report card right now. Someday, we are going to stand before Him and give a report. We'll either hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant, or we won't. If you had to have your report card filled out this morning, how are you doing? You say, well, I'll get to that later. That's the idea of a student in school who says, well, I don't have to worry about my report card. Final exams aren't here yet. I'll study when that comes. And then you get there and you realize, well, I study and study. It doesn't matter. I can't. I still am not going to get a good report. I put it off too long. Don't wait to serve God. Walk with Him today. He was a devoted disciple of the Lord. We see Timothy's character. I want you to notice, secondly, the commitment of a disciple. Look at verse number 3. As I was first studying this passage, this was the verse that really jumped out and grabbed my attention, and maybe it'll grab you differently than me, but there's an amazing commitment here that Timothy demonstrates in verse 3. It says, Him, that's Timothy, would Paul have to go forth with him and took and circumcised him because of the Jews which were in those quarters, for they knew all that his father was a Greek. You see this commitment of this disciple. What's his commitment? Well, first of all, I see a disciple who's willing to follow faithfully. Paul says, Timothy, I want you to come with me. I want you to leave your family, and I want you to travel with me in the ministry. Timothy, it's going to be difficult. You know, the last time I was here, I got stoned. People threw rocks at me and tried to kill me. Timothy, I might get thrown in jail. Timothy, it's going to be hard. I know you get sick easily. Timothy, I know that you didn't have a good dad growing up. Timothy, it's going to be difficult, but I want you to come with me. Oh, and by the way, Timothy, I want you to be circumcised too. He said, Paul, wait a minute. We sat here for three Sundays in Acts 15, and we just learned that we don't need to be circumcised. And now Paul's going to go out and say, Timothy, the first thing you have to do to travel with me is be circumcised. What is wrong with Paul? Is he contradicting himself? 
I mean, over in Galatians chapter 2, Paul talks about another one of his followers, a man by the name of Titus. And he says in Titus 2, 3, but neither Titus who was with me being a Greek was compelled to be circumcised. So Paul, it's, you, you don't make Titus do this. Why Timothy? You think about that. Especially if you're Timothy, right? <laughs> all right, I want you to leave your family. I want you to go through all kinds of physical difficulties and you got to have surgery first before we go. Not sure, not sure that I'm willing to follow you, Paul. That sounds like a pretty big commitment. Being a disciple is being a follower of Jesus Christ. He's saying, Lord, I'll go wherever you want me to go. I'll, I'll do whatever you want me to do, Lord. Remember, don't forget, it's reasonable service. This sounds kind of unreasonable, Paul. Why would you do this? You, you've crossed the line. Let me try to explain why I think, based on Scripture, why Paul would have Timothy to be circumcised, but he didn't have Titus to be circumcised. Was Paul just on his spiritual journey and he hadn't arrived quite where he got to by the time he met Timothy or Titus? No, I think there's a real reason here because in Galatians 2, the Bible records for us that Titus was a Greek. He was a Gentile. Timothy, remember, his mother was a Jew, right? Yes, his father was a Gentile, but his mother was a Jew. And do you remember Paul's primary method of ministry when he went into a new city? Where did he usually go first? He went into the synagogue first, and he would preach to the Jews. Now, understand, these were not believing Jews. These were not saved Jews. These were unsaved Jews who were following the, the Jewish rituals and the Jewish law. And so Paul would go to them as a rabbi himself, as a Pharisee himself, and he would preach the gospel to them and show them from the Old Testament and then the fulfillment of Jesus Christ, how Jesus Christ was their Messiah. And so many times they would go into these cities and go to the unbelieving Jews first. And Paul understood. Timothy, you had a Jewish mother. You have a Jewish mother. So in order to expand your ministry opportunity, if you go and speak to unbelieving Jews and they know that you as a Jewish young man are not following your Jewish tradition, they're not going to listen to anything that you have to say about the gospel. Paul understood this. He was a Jew himself. We today go, that doesn't make sense to me. We weren't living in the same day they were living. It was a different situation. So you say, well, what's the application for us today? If we're going to minister, we have to go have surgery first? No, what I'm saying is this. Not only was this disciple, Timothy, willing to follow, he was also willing to sacrifice. He was willing to give up, yes, family, friends, and comforts of home. He was also willing to give up something that he actually didn't buy. According to the Bible, he didn't have to give up. Timothy could have pulled out his Bible and said, but Paul, well, he didn't have this written in the Bible yet. But he could have literally, they, they, they're taking letters, and we'll see this in the next couple of verses, 
Paul and Silas are carrying letters from the leaders in Jerusalem to the other churches. And, and as far as we can tell, these letters were talking about the fact that the Gentiles didn't need to be circumcised. That's the letters they're carrying to encourage these other churches and saying, Paul, wait, but the letter we're taking to people says we don't have to be circumcised, but I have to be circumcised. I want you to look over at 1 Corinthians 9. I think there's another passage here that helps us to have a little bit clearer understanding of this kind of sacrifice that Paul was asking Timothy to make. And I believe he was asking Timothy to make this sacrifice because he understood that it would open up greater doors of opportunity for Timothy to minister. Often when we think of giving something up, we think of losing something. But Paul was pointing out to Timothy, if you give this up, you're actually gaining something much greater. You're gaining the opportunity to minister to lost people in a context that you wouldn't otherwise be able to minister in if you didn't go through this process. Look at 1 Corinthians 9, verse 19. Paul says, For though I be free from all men, yet have I made myself servant unto all, that I might, read these next three words with me, Gain the more. Paul's not saying, Timothy, I want you to lose something. He says, I want you to gain something even greater. He continues on, verse 20, Unto the Jews I became as a Jew. Why? That I might gain the Jews. To them that are under the law as under the law, that I might gain them that are under the law. He's asking Timothy to put himself under a law that he didn't have to put himself under. Why? So that he could gain those that were under the law. Verse 21, to them that are without law as without law, being not without law to God, but under the law to Christ, that I might gain them that are without law. He's, he's doing what he could to reach the Gentiles as well. That meant Paul said, it's okay, I can go eat with Gentiles. And some of the Jews didn't like that. They didn't like it when Jesus ate with the publicans and sinners either. Notice verse 22. To the weak became I as weak that I might gain the weak. I am made all things to all men that I might by all means save some. And this I do, why? For the gospel's sake that I might be partaker thereof with you. Sometimes people try to take this passage in 1 Corinthians 9 and use this to excuse their wild lifestyle. Their wicked living. So, well, I'm just trying to be all things to all men. I got to hang out with the sinners. Doesn't mean you have to do what the sinners do. Well, I might offend somebody. No, you don't disobey God to share the gospel. Timothy was not disobeying God by being circumcised. Was it his freedom to not be circumcised? Yes. He gave up his freedom to do something so that he could increase his ministry opportunity. Don't try to twist that idea on its head. Say, oh, this means I get to take on liberties beyond what the Bible allows me to have in order to reach people with the gospel. This is not an excuse to just do whatever you want as long as you get the opportunity to tell somebody about Jesus. No. You don't get to disobey Scripture. But it's not disobeying Scripture 
to hold yourself to a higher standard in order to minister to people who are putting that higher standard on themselves, even though they don't need to. You're just using it as an opportunity. See, this disciple is willing to give sacrificially. In our world today, there might be a situation where you'd be asked to do something. You say, I don't have to do that. I'm free not to do it. Sure. But I'm willing to do it for the cause of the gospel. I'm willing to put myself in a position that's uncomfortable so that I can share the gospel with people. Are you willing to do that? Or are you more interested in your personal freedoms and less interested in pointing people to Jesus? Sometimes you can't have both. Paul's saying here, I'm giving up some of my freedom so that others can know Jesus. I would tell you, I think that's a hard, hard balance to find. It's a hard line to navigate. But I think as Christians, we ought to think long and hard about our choices and about what we communicate to others. He's willing to give sacrificially. I want you to see finally this morning this contribution of a disciple. Because Timothy, as this follower of Paul and ultimately a follower of Jesus Christ, a disciple of the Lord, God used him in a tremendous way. It might be easy to think, well, he's from a divided home. He's got physical difficulties. There's not a whole lot that God could really do with him. I mean, maybe he could pray from his bedroom window or something. Sometimes we think that, well, he's just not that much I could do. I think we could do more than we think, but I want you to notice verses 4 and 5 in Acts chapter 16. It says, And as they, this is Paul and Silas, and now Timothy, as they went through the cities, they delivered them the decrees for to keep that were ordained of the apostles and elders which were at Jerusalem. So they're taking all these letters from Jerusalem to these other churches. Why were they doing it? And so were the churches established in the faith, and increased in number daily. Quite a statement. And to see those two things together, their spiritual growth, established in the faith, and numerical growth. They increased in number daily. Now, this word to be established in the faith is the idea of they were being rooted or made more solid in their faith. Think about it. Paul and, si or Paul and Barnabas had traveled through the first time, and they had preached the gospel, and people had trusted Christ. But as these baby Christians began to grow and begin to learn and spend time with one another, I'm sure questions came up, concerns and differences of opinion, and, and they needed clarification on things. They needed encouragement in areas. They need more teaching and grounding in the truth and the Word of God. That's what's taking place as they travel through. And Timothy is now a part of this. I can imagine that it was on this trip that Timothy had opportunities to sit 
and lead Bible studies with other believers. On this trip, Timothy had the opportunity along with Paul to preach the gospel in the marketplace, to see people come to Christ. And as he spends time with Paul and serves God alongside Paul, God begins to use Timothy in a really dynamic way. He still had his difficult past. Still had his physical difficulties. God began to use him. Let me just point out a few places where we read about Timothy's great contribution to the ministry. Philippians chapter 2, verse 19. Paul writes about Timothy and he says, I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timotheus shortly unto you that I also may be of good comfort when I know your state, for I have no man like-minded. What a great statement about Timothy. We, we just think the same. That doesn't happen overnight. That doesn't happen because you keep doing things your way. That happens because you're willing to follow the Lord, willing to submit to His Word. You're willing to sacrifice and give to God everything that He's given to you. He says, I have no man like-minded who will naturally care for your state. Timothy loved the people at Philippi, for all seek their own. Boy, Paul had experienced this. Demas had forsaken me, having loved this present world. People like to go off their own way and do their own thing, and everybody's got their own agenda and their own priorities and their own things they're doing. That's what Paul's saying. Not the things which are Jesus Christ's. What are you seeking this morning? Are you seeking your own? Doing what you want? Or are you seeking what Jesus wants? Listen to the last part here. Verse 22, he says, But ye know the proof of him. Remember in Lystra, Timothy had a good report. Guess what? He did in Philippi too. How did he have a good report in Philippi? Because when he traveled there with Philippi, was Timothy off in the back goofing off while Paul's trying to teach in the front? No, Timothy was serving. Was Timothy distracting as the message was being shared? No, Timothy was encouraging. And now Paul sends Timothy to the church at Philippi. Remember where Paul's writing from when he writes the letter to the church at Philippi? He's writing from prison. So if you're locked in prison, who do you send to go on your behalf to the people that you love dearly? You send somebody that is going to do a good job. You send somebody who you can trust with the message. And Paul sent Timothy. He says, ye know the proof of him that as a son with the father, he hath served me with me in the gospel. In Romans 16, 21, Paul calls Timothy his fellow worker, fellow laborer. Paul sent Timothy to Philippi. You know where else he sent him? He sent him to Corinth. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 17, Paul says, For this cause have I sent unto you Timotheus, who is my beloved son, and faithful in the Lord. Would anybody call you faithful in the Lord? Who shall bring you into remembrance of my ways which be in Christ. 
as I teach everywhere in every church. Paul says, I'm going all over the place. I'm teaching people in all these different churches. I know who can come and share the same message that you need. I'm going to send Timothy. Paul wrote to Timothy in 2 Timothy 2.2. He says, In the same things which thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. I would submit to you this morning that even here today, a couple of thousand years after Timothy's life, we are still benefiting from Timothy's contribution to the ministry. Isn't that amazing to think about? That if you would serve God faithfully, that literally whether people know your name or not, if the Lord didn't return that 2,000 years from now, your ministry could still be having an impact. He said, well, it's not direct. No, indirectly in the ministry of others. You see, that's what happens when you lead somebody to Christ and when you teach them the ways of God and when you instruct them. Is it time-consuming? Yes. Is it painful? Yeah, it can be. Does it require a lot of patience? Sure does. Do some people forsake you along the way? Yes. But there's a great contribution that God wants you to give to the ministry. There was spiritual and numerical growth. Your character matters. Your commitment to God matters. And God will take your contribution, even if you say it's, it's a teeny tiny one, He can take your little contribution of service to Him and make it count for His kingdom. Now, there might be some of you sitting here this morning and saying, but my past, where I'm coming from, my life, the situation that happened to me, my physical problems, uh, my, the, the, the family that God's given me, I just don't know if I can do it. Well, be encouraged by the example of Timothy, this disciple. Maybe you're sitting here this morning and saying, I can't go beyond as a disciple of Jesus Christ because it's just too much commitment. This is above and beyond. I'd have to give up some things. Can I remind you, what are you hanging on to? This world is not your home. Why are you working so hard to lay up treasure on this earth? Moth and rust, Jesus said, they're going to come in and corrupt it. The thieves are going to come in and steal it. We were over helping David with some leaks in his roof yesterday, and we always are fighting with leaks in our roof. I'd, I hope to get them fixed one day, but I said to somebody the other day, no, if we don't get them fixed, that's okay. We can let the devil fix them someday because we're going to leave this building. We spend so much time and energy and effort and focus just trying to make things a little bit nicer for ourselves. James wrote, what? Know you not that life is just a vapor? Appears for a little time, vanishes away. 
Paul wrote to the church at Corinth, don't you know your body? It's the temple of the Holy Ghost. You've been bought with a price. Glorify God with your body and your spirit. They're His. Jesus said, lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust don't corrupt and thieves don't break through and steal. You see, those treasures in heaven, those are treasures you get to keep. You get to enjoy. Those crowns are the ones you get to cast back at Jesus' feet someday. All those crowns we spend so much energy trying to get for ourselves here, they're all going to be gone. I want to remind you of the great call that God has placed upon your life. I want to remind you that Jesus gave everything for you. I want to remind you that He promised to never leave you or forsake you. And you, as you give, even as that little widow woman gave just her two pennies, your teeny tiny contribution. Because all of us, we, we don't have much to give. You can do great things for the kingdom of God. I have lots of favorite songs. One of them is this. Little is much when God is in it. Labor not for wealth or fame. There's a crown and you can win it if you'll go. In Jesus' name. It's amazing that God would use me. It's amazing that God would use you. Don't ever get over that. It's amazing that God takes broken people from messed up backgrounds with weak, broken, physical bodies and He uses them for His glory. I don't think Timothy was sitting there one day with his grandma and his mom in his house and saying, Oh, Grandma, I'm just planning to be a great person someday, and I want people 2,000 years from now at some church, you know, in Houston, Texas, to be talking about me. You know what else he wasn't saying? Well, I'm really worried about what my friends think about me. I'm really, really worried about If I'm going to be able to you know, accomplish all of my plans in this life. No. My guess is the conversations had to have been something like, I just want to be faithful. God save me. You know, if it hadn't been for Paul coming to Lystra the first time and getting stoned the first time, I, I might not have heard the gospel. If it hadn't been for a faithful mother and a faithful grandmother who ministered in difficult situations themselves. Can you imagine that? Lois and Eunice, they raise this son and he wants to serve God and Paul says, yep, I'll take him with me. I'm taking our son. You see even the commitment of the mother of this disciple. You say, okay, he can have it. He's not mine anyway. He's the Lord's. God gave him to me for a time, and I'm giving him back to the Lord. 
being a disciple. To the world and to many Christians, it really looks like going above and beyond, doesn't it? But I would say from God's perspective, it's just reasonable service. Don't stop, or can I say it this way? Stop making excuses. Walk with God. Confess your sin. Trust in Him. Continue to step forward by faith. As we heard last week, wait on the Lord. Let Him renew your strength. Stop living in your own strength. You don't like your circumstances. That may be true. Paul didn't like his circumstances either, but he could still rejoice in the jail. Why? Because he's right where God wanted him to be. Man, Acts 16, there's some good stuff coming up. We're about to read about the Philippian jailer that gets saved. We're, we're about to read about Lydia and, and this lady who's like helping, leading a church and ministering to people in her house by the riverside. About to read about some really incredible stuff that God does. But you know what? Sometimes we miss out on what God's doing because we're just sitting here afraid or frustrated or concerned with the things of this world. And we realize God wants us to seek something greater than this world. He wants to live for His kingdom, not for ours. Stop building your castle. Get involved in building His kingdom. And you'll enjoy the blessing so much more. Let's pray. Lord, We need you. As I feel like I can say almost every week right now, Lord, you know I'm preaching to myself as much as to anybody else here this morning. And I pray that this message would not come across as condescending, angry, or mean. But that your spirit would speak clearly to our hearts this morning. Or there may be a young person here today that's letting their friends or their own laziness or their own selfishness keep them from really walking with you. But Lord, the reality is there's probably some older people here with the same struggles. Lord, we're all made of flesh. And flesh, like grass, will just fade away. It'll pass away. Lord, I pray that you would do your work in our hearts this morning. That we would recommit to being disciples of Christ so that we can then in turn make disciples of Christ. Help us now, we pray in Jesus' name.